Logical, the UAE's first and still the only regular legal podcast. My name's Tim Elliott. I'm with the managing partner of the Dubai-based legal firm, HPL, Yamalava and Pleska. At their offices in JLT, Jamira Lakes Towers here in Dubai. And here's Ludmilla Yamalava. Nice to see you. Good to be here, Tim, with you as always. And thanks for being here. Uh, you're always welcome. This time on Logical, D&O Insurance, Directors and Officers Insurance, Two questions to start with, Ludmilla. What is it and who benefits from insurance like this? What is it? As you rightfully said, it's uh, directors and officers insurance, hence DNO insurance. Uh, who would benefit from it? Uh, many, and in particular with regards to the UAE, uh, practically every company for the most part would benefit from it, and in particular, its senior employees and directors. Uh, so what is DNO insurance kind of at a high level? And surprisingly enough, by the way, as I, as I raise this question, and perhaps this is the reason why we're having this podcast, is because it's still to this day in the UAE, DNO insurance is, is very rare and is highly uncommon. And in most cases, when I bring it up with a lot of our clients, uh, it's uh, it's always met with uh, much surprise and a bit of a glare. And just like you had to look up what DNO insurance <laughs> <I laughs> stands did. for. Uh, so I get the very much the same reaction from a lot of uh, the clients who I bring it up to. Although these are the very people who should have been covered by DNO insurance for many years. Now, let's kind of parse into it or dive into it. Uh, so ultimately, at a high level, what is it? What is an insurance? It's a type of insurance. It's a, a type of insurance coverage, a policy, and we all know what insurance more or less stands for. And there's health insurance, there's uh, travel insurance, um, uh, there is medical insurance and uh, or medical liability or uh, indemnity insurance and so on and so forth. And there's property insurance uh, and there is um, what's called the DNO insurance. Uh, so it's a type of policy that covers certain category of employees uh, employees and senior executives and managers at the company level. So it's a coverage for company employees of a certain level and certain responsibilities. Uh, so, um, and and this, by the way, and we can talk about it a little, little um, later in terms of the comparison between the DNO insurance and the professional indemnity insurance, because these are two separate types of insurances. And in most cases, those who are based in the UAE uh, uh, would are not only aware of the um, uh, the professional indemnity, indemnity insurance, but many of them actually have it as part of the requirement uh, of being able to operate in the UAE. But DNO insurance is not a requirement. Uh, so let me first talk about the DNO, and then we can kind of contrast it with the in, uh, the indemnity insurance, the professional indemnity insurance. So what is it? It's basically an insurance policy, an insurance plan that will provide financial assistance uh, to fund a defense uh, defense case or defense cost for directors or senior management uh, against any potential liability from a claim um, that could have been brought uh, by a, a number of people that would have potentially had interest in the uh, interest in the dealings of that particular company. And the, these, um, you know, at least uh, theoretically, some of these actions would have happened as a result of um, these directors and officers' actions or inactions. Uh, so let me give, be a more specific, give a specific example. So for example, a company gets... Um, uh, sued by 
uh, by a client because they failed uh, to provide a certain kind of uh, certain advice. So it's it's less about, for example, um, the um, the specific service that was provided, but perhaps the inadequacy, inappropriateness of that particular service. Right. So it's less about well, I hired you to do this and you didn't do it very well. It's rather that you told me to do this, but in fact it was a it was a wrong decision, it was a wrong advice, or it was or it was implemented wrongly. It could be by a client, it could be by um, consumers as well, it could be by employees, uh, so the claim could be also by um, shareholders uh, and regulators. Um, so, and there's loads and loads of examples kind of throughout in the West in particular, but as well, for example, the company gets fined, another perhaps an example that's more specific and closer to home for us in the UAE. Uh, let's say um, immigration officers come to an office uh, to inspect company's employees and they find out that there's two or three employees that are working in the company without proper visas, right? Well, that's a violation in the UAE and each one of them carries 50,000 dirham penalty. Uh, so, um, and, and that, that's to the company. Uh, in addition, it can also um, it can also it also carries a penalty for the employees themselves who are being employed illegally. Uh, so, now whose decision was this? It was a decision, obviously, of the manager of the company or somebody senior. Let's say those same the manager or the officers or the directors of the company wanted to challenge uh, those fines because uh, those fines, let's say, they were not um, they were not. Um, Justified, or there was reasons against, you know, or explanations as to why those people were there at the time that they were being inspected. Uh, sometimes, often, by the way, as far as part of the fines, there are fines to the company, and also um, there could be fines to the manager. And and previously, these fines with the manager, and I'll tell you, I've seen this in real time. So if there were especially repeated fines, or sometimes if there were too many employees working illegally when the inspectors would come, the manager would be personal liable. And so the manager would be taken to um, basically the police station, and then ultimately there would be some potentially some sanctions, and if not criminal cases filed against the manager. So these are just some examples of incidents that could happen and do often happen. And there are many more, and we can kind of walk through those shortly. But in the meantime, so let's say if that were to happen, uh, and um, uh, oh, I guess let me give, give you another example. Let's say another example where the company, uh, there's the senior management of the company are at the request of the shareholders, for example, uh, made certain financial decisions um, uh, with regards to managing companies' funds. Uh, and then at some point in time, one of the employees resigns or the company decides to terminate employees. And again, the management has to sign off on this. And as part of these employee termination uh, cases, uh, there's a number of uh, claims that come forward in terms of end-of-service benefits. And in some cases, end-of-service benefits could go up to million dirhams per person. Let's say you have five or ten people like this resigning or they're being terminated and all of a sudden the company is um, uh, being approached with, with a claim for uh, say 10 million dirhams that they have to pay as part of the service which they had not budgeted for and they had not planned for. Uh, or they might have planned for but the senior management had on, on, at the request of the shareholders for example transferred that money from the company's books in for other purposes or they spent it differently uh, for other purposes and did not accrue that money or did not budget for these kinds of end of services um, payments or requests uh, uh, and perhaps it was in the books but not in their, in their accounts. So here they are with okay we got a claim for 10 million dirhams 
comes to be paid as uh, end of service, but we don't have, the company doesn't have that kind of money. Well, now, why does it not have that kind of money? Well, because let's say there were some financial decisions that were made that the company had transferred this money for bought something else, let's say bought a property or um, made some other kind of investments or, or paid some other customers or, uh, or uh, bought some expensive services, for example, right? And then the questions would come up, well, who authorized this? And the management can say, well, our shareholders requested for us to transfer this money away. So, but in the meantime, uh, by well, by virtue of how proceedings normally happen, it's uh, who is responsible first. It's not the shareholders. It's basically the company, whoever represents the company, and that's usually the manager on the license. It could be the HR person, the HR manager. It could be the directors of the company, and so on and so forth. Not the shareholders, right? So now these directors and managers and officers find themselves on the defensive where they need to represent themselves in court, be it criminal court or civil court for, uh, for or, or other employment uh, cases where they have to defend not just the company, but also sometimes themselves. But how, how do you do it? With what money do you do that? Because not only are you now having to file your own court case and or, or have uh, hire your own lawyers and f- pay money to the lawyers, to the court, to the translators, uh, but also you're taking your time to try to defend yourself and that's not to mention that potentially your job security is in question in the meantime Uh, and there are many 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 cases like this Uh, so uh, what the dno insurance does is that it allows that particular person uh, to tap into their insurance this is called uh, dno DNO insurance where the insurance company will pay for those legal costs so will will pay for those defense costs and um, the coverage can come in two different ways. In one, it can just come in terms of, okay, here you have X amount of money that is being paid, uh, that is being allocated as per your plan uh, for these kinds of, um, uh, for these kinds of proceedings, for example. And so you spend that money on your own or we'll advance this money and you kind of litigate on your own. That's one way. The other way is that, well, we, there's X amount of money that's allocated and we will appoint or we will manage uh, lawyers that will defend this particular case. So uh, ultimately, what ends up happening is that you're protecting your senior management that represents the company, that makes decisions on behalf of the company. Uh, and they, and, then, and a lot of the times, these decisions, are, by the way, are being made in good faith uh, or up, upon a representation of many other senior, uh, senior staff or senior representatives uh, at the request of the senior management, the shareholders, and so on and so forth. And so now you're being held accountable uh, to basically be uh, for uh, acting on the instructions of somebody that's either more senior and somebody that's more influential you know, for making those decisions. So you made them in good faith or uh, because that was sort of the protocol for you to do this if you're a senior management or shareholders ask you to do that. Uh, so uh, what can you do? And not only can you lose the job, but you're now all stuck in these different, in defending yourself for these in these proceedings. So that's what this insurance is for, is to basically protect all that senior management in the UAE, specifically it'd be the managers that are listed on the trade license because by de facto, they have the default authority to represent the company and therefore make decisions on behalf of the company. Therefore, whenever there is a claim, uh, by default, they are the first ones to be held accountable. Uh, so um, now in, in court, they can prove otherwise, but in terms of representation, uh, they will be the the first kind of the first line of defense 
so it would be the managers, it'd be the directors when you have the board of directors, uh, and it also could be um, uh, shareholders as well. Uh, and But you, usually it's just senior management. So you see the, the utility or the benefit of this particular coverage. Yet, uh, there's very little uh, of, mm. of, of uh, this kind of insurance that we see in the UAE business community. So it's still a very novel concept. And most of the time, people don't even really, not just think about it, they don't even know about it. And I have to tell you, it's interesting because uh, it's um, there's so many people here with very highfalutin titles. And they love the title of CEO, the CFO, the chairman. And they're very happy to take on those senior titles, uh, not just on their business cards and their, um, say in their email signatures, but also on official documents such as um, um, ty- uh, such as a license, for example, or memorandum associations or articles in corporation. Uh, so because it makes them feel very important, influential, and that's all good um, and understandable, except that when uh, when the hammer comes down, it will be those people who will be the first ones to be held accountable. And so that's why it's so important to uh, for all those who are being put in those positions uh, to know that there is um, that there's always a liability of being brought uh, accountable for the acts, not just by the way, not just even their own acts, but also the acts of the company. Uh, or the acts of others in the company. And so therefore, they need to be mindful that they should, in the very least, um, have this this insurance in addition to whatever uh, whatever other contractual obligations and benefits the company might, for example, offer to them as part of their job. So this is clearly not very common at all here, which is a surprise, but it's distinctly different from other types of workplace uh, business insurances, professional liability insurance, for example. Yes, because because professional liability it refers to your own profession, right? So, for right. example, let's say I, you so not let's say I am <laughs> I do run a law firm and I, I am a lawyer, uh, so that is my professional profession is is a lawyer, and as a lawyer I have my own uh, liability insurance as my professional indemnity insurance, and that's uh, so that's uh, that pertains more to the actually the, the person um, that provides a, that that exercises or uh, or conducts that particular profession. Right. Uh, so, for example, law. Lawyers would have professional indemnity insurance, and that's and that usually happens in the when lawyers, for example, give wrong advice or they lose documents uh, or some kind of uh, case of negligence exercise, a case of negligence. But that pertains to usually specific that specific person exercising that specific profession, uh, and so or for example, it, it could extend also to the office of the lawyers, right? So like a law firm to other lawyers as well. So you could have your own personal liability insurance as a lawyer, but also the law firm can have its own uh, liability, um, uh, professional liability insurance or indemnity insurance. Uh, so, but it, again, it, re- it usually refers to the profession and basically the choices and the decisions made, made uh, by those professionals exercising um, th- their particular trade in that industry. Whereas for DNO insurance, it's it's just um, senior management of whatever business. And by the way, not all uh, professional uh, professional indemnity insurance is applicable or or available to any kind of business because you basically need to uh, exercise it as a profession. So who is a professional? Well, what is a profession in this particular case? It would be lawyers, doctors, 
accountants, for example, auditors, um, certain kinds of engineers. Uh, but what if you just have a trading business? What what profession is that? It's you know there is no professional liability insurance necessarily that exists for uh, for trading businesses or for example for a restaurant uh, or for a, a web designer. You see, so a company or, or any other kind of consultancy, just general consultancy company. So there isn't like a professional insurance that exists in that particular field of business. Uh, so that's why professional liability insurance and professional indemnity insurance, otherwise known, it's only available in certain kinds of professions, certain kind of industries, and only to certain kinds of um, individuals practicing that trade. Whereas a DNO insurance, it's basically to senior management anywhere. Let's say uh, at a law firm, you could also have, I as a lawyer, I would have my own professional indemnity insurance, but I could also have a DNO insurance because certain examples of certain decisions at the firm are made by not lawyers, so they will not be covered by this, but let's say the uh, the chief financial officers, right? They're not lawyers, so for them to be covered by uh, uh, lawyer insurance, that would not qualify, but they could be co- covered by a DNO insurance because they're acting as an officer of the company or of the law firm. Uh, or let's say you have even an HR manager, uh, again, who makes decisions uh, on behalf of the law firm. I'm using using the law firm just as an example. It could be an accounting firm. It could be a, a, a medical facility. Uh, but they're making these decisions uh, with regards to employees as a manager of that particular company or business. And then they're sued by that employee, for example, for um, for some kind of discrimination uh, tactics or discrimination claims, uh, or for non-payment of uh, this uh, this uh, claim or that claim, and so and they could often bring in a particular employee into the case, and so. Um, so those employees in these cases would not be covered by professional indemnity insurance, but they would be covered by a DNO insurance. Uh, so uh, uh, that's kind of that's the general kind of example or difference between the two types of insurance. And uh, in the UAE, and I have seen this, by the way, the space evolve. Uh, and um, uh, it, when I started practicing 15 years ago, it, professional indemnity insurance was not not really talked about very much, but as time went on, it became a requirement. And in most businesses these days or professions, there's a requirement. So for you every year to renew your license, you need to renew your professional indemnity insurance, for example. And that's that, that applies to a lot of businesses. Uh, whereas the DNO insurance, that's I have yet to see a single place or a single company or business that actually has it as a requirement. Uh, but additionally, so even a lot of the international companies that operate in, in the UAE who perhaps in their own home jurisdictions in other countries would offer this kind of insurance to their employees and those in those jurisdictions do not offer uh, that kind of coverage to their employees here. Uh, so, um, and we've seen a lot of cases where employees have to kind of fend for themselves. Uh, sometimes the company will foot the bill, um, other times it won't. Um, uh, often cases like this one, when the person is being sued, the company tries to separate itself so that the person is really left alone to fend for themselves. Okay. And is that purely because it's a cost to the company or? You know, interestingly enough, well, it's it doesn't have to be the cost. If you have proper, you know, insurance uh, on an ongoing basis, it's a it's a sort of manageable cost, right? So, but but when there is a dispute, obviously that it becomes a serious cost and a liability for the company as well in terms of even being held accountable for um, act, acts that may lead, in addition to costs, or other types of sanctions. Uh, so, such as, for example, freezing of the license, or closing of the business, or even criminal sanctions, right? Um, so um, those 
those cases, companies often try to say, oh, well, we didn't do it. That particular employee didn't have the authority to do this and that, for example. Uh, so um, it's your cost is definitely one. But perhaps I would say the main reason that why we don't see you know, insurance much here in the UAE is because it's just not a topic that has that has really been talked about very much. Or is not otherwise not is not promoted or marketed much by insurance companies, uh, and um, um, and I guess it is in a way businesses in the UE and the whole business community in the UE has developed so rapidly uh, that um, often companies are sort of catching up with the, the kind of more uh, more modern and more um, kind of up-to-date practices after the fact. <laughs> so it may be that in the next few years as more businesses become more professional and more solid um, that this topic will become more of a, or the, not so much of a talk, topic, but the concept of know insurance becomes mm. more of a standard practice practice uh, uh, just as uh, the um, professional indemnity or in professional liability insurance has become now uh, but for the time being I just I think obviously businesses when they start out they they try to minimize their costs and you know insurance it's not a direct kind of benefit you don't see the direct benefit of it obviously in most businesses when they start up they uh, they don't foresee <laughs> troubles in the future they will only pay for the expenses that are mandatory such as the professional indemnity insurance but not necessarily for any other kind of cost especially the ones that don't directly benefit the business, but rather a particular individual in the business. I think that's kind of prevailing attitude here, isn't it, as well? I think there's there's an attitude to insurance. Clearly, there's an opportunity here. I had to look D&O up. I uh, have to come clean about that. I didn't know about it, but there's clearly good reason for it. But if you look, let's take a simple example of home insurance, home contents insurance. It's It's pretty scarce. If you, if you looked at the number of people here who have home contents insurance versus other countries, um, I think that there wouldn't be really very much balance between the two, let's be honest. So I think, you know, maybe take that into account as well. It's something that clearly could grow. Uh, absolutely. And business. if my memory serves me right, a few years back, you and I might have done a podcast on home insurance or rather lack or absence of home insurance coverage in yep. the UAE as, as a practice. Yeah. And um, so you're right. So it's a very good analogous example or analogy to the DNO insurance, something so, so ubiquitous and that applies to so many of us here mm. because uh, the home insurance or content insurance, it doesn't just uh, apply to those who own real estate, but also those who rent. So that's content insurance. Uh, and so it applies really to basically all of us here and yet it is so 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 rare and uh, the people don't even really think about um, and uh, that's another example of um, something that an area that's um, still still is ripe to um, to develop further and so Dino insurance is just another example of that but I think it's important now and we're seeing and that perhaps it's the topic has come up a little more uh, now in particular and why I think it's important to highlight it at this point in time is because the UAE as a as a jurisdiction, as a legal uh, system, as a business community continues to evolve very rapidly. And as part of it, there's a lot of new legislation um, Mm. that are being introduced. And so now companies are required and um, to to not only understand and sort of know these regulations and keep up with um, all that information, but also implement those regulations. So that's one example, VAT. Uh, another example, and we've talked about it, we've done a podcast on this, is corporate tax that's coming. Uh, 
then you have the anti-money laundering regulations. Then you have all sorts of banking regulations. Uh, and then there is the ESR or the economic substance requirement regulations and so on and so forth. And so therefore, uh, as a company, you there's always this kind of ongoing and uh, in a way, almost like a moving target obligation in terms of, okay, what are the obligations next year? What are my obligations as a company? Mm-hmm. Oh, now I have the ESR, the economic substance requirement regulations. I have the a- AML, the anti-money laundering regulations to follow and so on and so forth. So if the company doesn't do it, who's responsible right and so as a, as a manager of the company as a, as a, as directors of the company or as a senior uh, senior uh, decision makers for the company uh, if they, for example they haven't um, they haven't taken the time to learn and understand these regulations let alone implement them into the into uh, into their day-to-day workings um, so and then the company gets fined what happens? Or even even perhaps more seriously, and this happens all too often, with the managers of the company, the senior management, understand because they're the boots on the ground, they understand what needs to be done and how their business needs to evolve now because of all these new regulations. But the shareholders, the kind of decision makers in, in the back who are have been used to things or business being running the way it had been running all these years, for example, without having to pay taxes, without having to account for all the different anti-money or laundering regulations or these economic substance requirements and so on and so forth. The business, the shareholders, for example, the decision makers are kind of still resistant and reluctant to embrace uh, these, uh, these new changes, which in most cases, result in additional costs, additional protocols, and different in, di- in additional compliance uh, efforts, and so they're resistant. So the manager's saying, "Let's, you know, we should do our books differently now." But the shareholders saying, "Ah, well, we can kind of." carry on a little longer or the the management can say well we need to for example to report or do the bookkeeping or do audits in, in such and such way and the, let's say the ubos the ultimate beneficiaries may say well uh, not necessarily don't worry about it for example right and then the company gets slammed with sanctions and fines and uh, threats of closing the business and that's not to mention the individual liability of some of the directors and managers um, that uh, may be held to uh, to account uh, or uh, or for many other regulators or employees I mean this happens all too often so this is why I guess my advice to all those who are listening to this podcast and who are holding senior management positions that they uh, uh, that at least as part of their uh, as, as their employment terms and conditions and negotiation, uh, they should always negotiate as part of their compensation to have DNO insurance. Uh, so I would say, if it were me, and I'm just, you know, I guess, and I'm a good example. If I were offered a senior position, I would, I would perhaps would take a bit of a haircut on the salary, mm-hmm. but uh, in exchange that I have uh, an ongoing DNO insurance, because if I were required or hired to to act in one of these sort of uh, senior positions. We've seen a number of um, uh, recent cases where clients have come and they're setting up big businesses for their, uh, for their companies here in the UAE, be it in the DIFC on mainland or any of the free zone. It, it could be holding companies, could be trust funds, could be, uh, could be um, uh, branches of businesses, could be brand new businesses and so on and so forth. And, um, uh, and 
they usually send people here to set up the businesses and put them as senior management. Well, as I'm counseling our clients through this uh, through this process, I always uh, always highlight the importance, especially when you're coming into a new country, uh, that in the very least, as part of your compensation, you should definitely ensure that you have this DNO insurance. It's a small cost to pay for a company. It's just that it's a really it's an actual benefit to the employee, uh, and that's why it should perhaps come from the employees to advocate uh, for themselves and to insist that they have that sort of coverage uh, or otherwise just you know take a, a, a lesser you know a lesser uh, important role but you know higher compensation but don't take the responsibility or the title of responsibility I had no idea walking in today about DNO insurance but I have learned something so it is available here it's not a great cost to a company but it could be of huge benefit to both the employee involved and, I guess, also the company, uh, depending on how benevolent they are. Uh, absolutely. And by the way, it, uh, to your point about it is available, it is available. There are uh, insurance companies that offer this service because it's not a very common uh, service. They won't necessarily by default kind of sell you this package or come knocking your door and offer it to you, mm. but it is available. And um, it depends on when you go through, the, if you decide to go through the process, make sure that you understand the coverage, the coverage in terms of the amounts and also the coverage in terms of the geography. Uh, because, yes. I was going to ask that. Does it extend... If you're, I don't know, if you're a regional base in Dubai, does it extend to, I don't know, Riyadh or to to uh, Pakistan or you know ge- other geographical locations? Uh, there are different different types of insurance, but in, uh, in short, yes, there are those right. policies. Uh, those policies with that kind of coverage are available. You just need to make sure that you uh, you request uh, a more extensive coverage because let's say you could be overseeing, you could be based in Dubai, you could be overseeing operations that, as you rightfully said, would extend to Saudi Arabia or Pakistan or South Africa or what have you or Europe. Uh, so uh, if you want speci- if you want um, the broader coverage, make sure that you have that coverage. I will tell you there's an interesting nuance. And we see it over and over again that a lot of these insurance they will offer you either local coverage or even global coverage. But there's always, almost always, an exclusion for the U.S. The U.S. Yeah. is almost always excluded from this kind of coverage, and obviously it's because of the cost. And the U.S. is 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 typically known as being sort of a very litigious society, and so and the, the legal fees and the legal cases in the U.S. can really uh, uh, skyrocket very quickly. So that's why a lot of the insurance policies actually specifically exclude the U.S. So if you find yourself in one of those situations, just make sure that if if you do do a lot of work that may involve the U.S. or may bring a case in the U.S., you definitely want to have this DNO insurance. I'll give you another example. So that's one. um, So geography is one. The other one is amount of money, right? So there is some insurance that will offer you, let's say, 1 million dirhams. Others are 3 million or 5 million dirhams up to. So in other words, they will cover your cost up to a certain amount. Uh, So just whenever you go through the process, you want to make sure that you... Uh, understand that as well and kind of gauge your potential risks and how do you gauge your risks on the basis of the type of claims you may potentially foresee. Uh, and I'll tell you, so um, back in the old days, in my younger years, I used to be um, an associate general counsel for a publicly traded company in the U.S. Uh, and a cyber company. And um, at that time when I was practicing, there was this a very kind of common thread of of litigation, which was ho- called the shareholders derivative regulate, uh, litigation or a shareholder derivative suits. Uh, so where the shareholders were suing, because we were a publicly traded, com- public traded company, so this happens with publicly traded companies where shareholders sue the company, right? And when the shareholders sue the company, and this perhaps is one of the best example of showing how, you know, 
insurance is important. When the shareholders sue the company, who do they sue in the company? So they who right? you don't just sue the company, right? There is the company, then there is the shareholders of the company, then there's the employees of the company, then there's the senior employees of the company, and then there's the management of the company, and then there's the board of directors, right? And so let's say if you just look in general, the high level, kind of in very simple terms, is the board of directors that is, is deemed to be the decision makers for the company, right? But there's also the CEO, which usually is part of the board of directors. But anyway, so when you file a case, when the shareholder files a case against the company, it's called the shareholder's derivative um, suit, then um, then they sue the board. But the board is, is a compilation of several individuals. So each one of those individuals is also basically has to, can be personal liable. So therefore, the DNO insurance kicks in at different levels. It, it kicks in on behalf of the company. So, right. But also at that point, the company's interest and the, and the director's interest may actually come at, be at odds. Right, because the the company and the directors and each one of the directors are at odds. So therefore, each one of the directors is actually has its his his or her own DNO insurance. You see, directors and officers insurance. So that's why, and then the company is paying. Um, in the meantime, for this insurance plan, right? And so when something like this happens, the company basically has its own fund for uh, to fight um, the the shareholders' uh, derivative suits as a company, but also each one of the directors has its own funding and its own counsel to represent them as part of this, this case. So that's one interesting example and a very typical example. And then when I was practicing in the Silicon Valley, that was a very, that was the era of shareholder derivative suits. Uh, so, uh, and that was the case where where in particular we saw this DNO insurance kick in every single time, and it was really, really not handy. It was just necessary, uh, especially, in, and, and that's why in, in the West, it's a very common type of uh, insurance that almost nobody will take a senior position or decision-making uh, position, in particular in publicly traded companies, without this kind of coverage. It's interesting that you say it was necessary. I mean, Silicon Valley, you can understand immediately why that's necessary. I'd go as far as to say, is an essential a better word? Absolutely. Absolutely mm. essential, imperative. Quite right. So your advice to professionals here in the UAE, if you're thinking of uh, taking taking on a, a senior professional position, DNO insurance should be contractually based. For sure. And... Um, as as we all know, those who practice in the UAE for a long time in business, we've, there's a lot of companies here that are set up that are perhaps not so much shell companies, but they're companies that are often they have sort of either nominal shareholders and nominal directors, or so not sort of super active directors or or, or officers, um, and they're just basically holding interest for different in, in institutions or different um, UBOs as they're called, ultimate beneficial or beneficial owners. And historically, I've seen here a lot of people who ultimately they have taken those positions who so held these kinds of officers position, officer and director positions because it was financially a kind of a lucrative arrangement, but they were not really sort of um, involved in the day-to-day decision-making um, cases or uh, decision-making. And then when the case is brought against the company, all of a sudden, whoa, you know, their <laughs> heads start rolling. Uh, and so in those cases in particular, whenever anybody is being appointed to uh, any one of the senior roles, especially official senior roles, such as being on the board or on the license, uh, and especially in cases where those people are not the decision makers, the day-to-day decision makers, but somebody else is making decisions, but yet <laughs> officially they are the ones that are representing the company. So in those cases in particular, they they, they must, as, as you rightfully said, contractually agree uh, to having that kind of insurance as part of the compensation package. 
That's another edition of Logical, this time D&O, Directors and Officers Insurance. As ever, thank you for watching or listening or both. And thanks to our legal expert, managing partner here at Yamalava and Pleska, Ludmilla Yamalava. As always, thank you for your expertise. It's always a pleasure, Tim. Find us at Old Law, social media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn. We are pretty much everywhere these days. You can find all our podcasts at lylawyers.com or at your favorite podcast platform. If you'd like a legal question uh, to be answered in an episode of Logical or to talk to a qualified UAE experienced legal professional, that's simple. Click the contact button at lylawyers.com. Music.